This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Isn't it great to be in church, man? You know, I just feel the anointing from the praise and worship today. And and like I was saying, man, it's, and you know, there's there's just so much going on right now. And just to be in the house of God, in the presence of God, the worship of God with the saints, man, it's a beautiful thing. And and the world doesn't understand that. There's a lot of, about you that the rest of the world doesn't understand. But, man, we get it, right? We get it. We're part of the family. We understand each other because we know what God's trying to do right now. Amen. Well, we're going to go ahead and get into the word today. And amen. I, I had this message all written out that I wanted to preach. And then God said, no, 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 that's not it. You've got to go this way. So I did uh, I did a sharp turn yesterday and, and, wrote, and, and just wrote out what God was telling me needed to be spoken for today. So if you want to hear the other sermon, it'll be on YouTube tonight at 6, 6 o'clock. You just tune on in. You can hear that there. But for right now, the title of the message today is this. Jesus wins every time. Jesus wins every time. And, and you know, that may sound like something like, yeah, I, I get that. I believe that. And yeah, sure. I mean, of course he wins every time, but we need to really get that revelation. We need to get that from our head down into our heart today. And some of you need to be reminded because there's Christians everywhere say, what's going on in the world? What's it coming to? What's going to happen next? Are the killer hornet bees showing up next? We don't even know. And people are getting scared. But you need to remember that Jesus wins every time. There's not a time. There's not a situation. There's not a fight that Jesus has ever been in that he lost. He wins every single thing he does. And we need to remind ourselves, we need to get that revelation in our hearts. Don't be discouraged. What did Jesus say to the disciples? He was walking on the water to them. He had walked several miles on the water to them. It was the middle of the night and they see something come and they think it's a ghost and they start screaming like little girls. And Jesus says, fear not. It is I. I am here now. And for some Christians right now in June of 2020, you need to hear Jesus say, whoa, fear not. I'm here now. Everything is going to be okay, but we need to get this in our heart. You know, as a kid growing up, uh, I grew up in the era of Michael Jordan playing basketball. The man, every time he went to the NBA Finals, he never lost a series. He won every single one he was in. And as a kid, I started to get tired of that because I'm like, wait a minute, I've seen this before. Every time he shows up, he wins. And the devil sees Jesus show up, and he's like, oh, not again. Every time he shows up, he wins. I can't beat this guy. This is getting old. And, 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 and it's, it's embarrassing him, and it's getting annoying. But listen, Jesus showed up. He's on the scene. Jesus wins every single time that he shows up, and he's here right now. Let me show you a verse this morning in 2 Corinthians 2.14. 2 Corinthians 2.14. Amen. Who's glad to be in the house of the Lord today? Yeah. So 2 Corinthians 2.14. I'm going to read this to the King James, but this is an awesome verse. 2 Corinthians 2.14. And it says, now thanks be unto God who half of the time causes us to triumph in Christ. Come on, somebody. 
Well, I, that would be good enough news right there if it said he causes us to triumph half. I mean, 50 percent's an all right winning percentage. That's batting 500. But Jesus, the word says right here, thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ. Jesus wins every time. How often does it say that we triumph in Christ? It says we always triumph in Christ. So I want you to say something with me today. I want you to say this. Jesus wins every time. Say that. Jesus wins every time. Now, that was kind of cute, but I want you to say it like you mean it now because I didn't believe that. I want you to say Jesus wins every time. Jesus wins every time. Amen. So we're going to look at a few things this morning. And man, it's so hard to go through the four Gospels and just narrow it down to a few things because I read page after page in Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. I'm like, well, there's another win. Oh, my gosh. Two verses down. He picked up another win. Everywhere you look in the Bible and in the Gospels, Jesus is picking up victories everywhere he goes. Everything he does, he wins every single time. So I've picked out a few stories today for us to look at to encourage us, especially things that this world is facing today, because, you know, sometimes I forget there's actually people afraid right now about what's going on in the world. And I don't make light of that, but I'm just saying ever since I was zero years old, since I was uh, one day old, my parents have been planting these Bible verses into my heart for God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love and a sound mind. And thanks be unto God, which always causes me to triumph in Christ. And so, you know, I understand that a lot of people have fear issues going on right now. And sometimes I forget about that. So one of the things I'm going to talk about this morning is this. Number one, Jesus wins every time, number one, against sickness and disease. Every time that Jesus is allowed to have his way, he wins against sickness and disease. Well, why would you say that? Go through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and find at least one time that somebody came to Jesus for healing and he said no. I'll wait. Let me know when you find it because I've read all four books. Time and time again, there's not one single instance where somebody came to Jesus for healing and help. And he said, no, it is not my will. I will not do it. And and so you're like, well, yeah, but that was that was back then. Well, what about Hebrews 13 where it says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. When did Jesus change? Never. And he's never going to change. But the thing is, it takes us activating our faith. Let's look at Matthew chapter 8 today. So let's turn to Matthew chapter 8. Am I at the right church? Matthew chapter 8, because I know at High Desert Word Center, they get excited when we open our Bibles. Matthew chapter 8. <laughs> and so Matthew 8 is a phenomenal chapter with several healing stories and there's a very famous verse that we'll get to in a few minutes but matthew chapter 8 and we're going to start off at the very beginning here in verses 1 through 3 so jesus wins every time over sickness and disease sickness never beats jesus disease never beats jesus matthew chapter 8 verses 1 through 3 it says large crowds followed jesus as he came down the mountainside suddenly a man with leprosy approached him and knelt before him Lord, the man said, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. So look at this. This guy comes to Jesus with leprosy. 
Now, I know a little bit about leprosy, but I, I read a little bit more about it just yesterday. And leprosy is a contagious disease. You quarantine people with leprosy because they spread it to other people. And even, and even to this day, I didn't know this, over 20,000 people in the United States contract leprosy each year. In the United States. But they, they, you know, they treat it and they quarantine them off by themselves and get rid. I didn't know that. But in other countries of the world, it still spreads and messes people up. Leprosy is a sick thing. And so this person comes to Jesus and says, I've got it and I've got it bad. If you, if it's your will, you could heal me. Now, watch what Jesus says. Jesus hesitated, put on a mask and gloves, sprayed Lysol, slowly approached from the rear. No. Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said. I'm willing, he said. Be healed. And instantly, the leprosy disappeared. So you know what? I'm just going to put a W right in my Bible right there and say, Jesus picked up another dub right there over sickness and disease. Jesus wins every time. But what if it's a contagious fatal disease? Well, right here, Jesus got up in this man's bubble and laid hands on him. And the man was instantly healed of leprosy. Jesus wins every time, even against fatal contagious diseases. Thank you for your enthusiasm. So let's go forward a few verses here. Look at verse 5, because this whole chapter is filled with gold on healing, man. Verse 5. When Jesus returned to Capernaum, a Roman officer came and pleaded with him, Lord, my young servant lies in bed, paralyzed and in terrible pain. Jesus said, well, I'll come and heal him. But the officer said, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come into my home. Just say the word from where you are and my servant will be healed. That's a lot of faith because Jesus offered. I'll just I'll go straight over to your house right now. Can you imagine that Jesus shows up in the physical in person, flesh and blood? And you say, Jesus, I've got a problem. He says, I'll just come over to your house and take care of it right there. And you say, you know what? It's OK. You don't even need to come speak the word only. So this also shows me another level of Jesus, incredible power and victory that Distance, there's no separation, there's no, there's no physical distance that can separate me from the power of God. This man says, you don't even need to come over, I'm not even worthy for you to come over. Just speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. So look at verse 13. Then Jesus said to the Roman officer, go back home because you believed it has happened. And the young servant was healed that same hour. Because you believed it has happened. So I'm just going to go ahead and give Jesus another W right here in Matthew chapter eight. He picks up another win. So, so far he's healed fatal, contagious disease. Wasn't afraid of it. The next thing he does is he heals someone without even going to their house. He just speaks the word from where he's at. And this person that is paralyzed and in terrible pain is healed instantly. Do you think? Jesus is afraid of what we've got going on in our world right now. Say, glad I'm up there in heaven because I don't know if I can take that down there. That is a mess, dude. No, he's fine with it. And he still has the same power. He didn't lose any power. Do you think there's a power outage in heaven 
Like we just set up so many prayers that the lights are flickering and they don't know what's happening. No, there's no shortage of power, but sometimes there is a shortage of people calling upon the name of the Lord. Sometimes there is a shortage of people releasing their faith and standing on the word that they've heard for years. I've heard that for years. I know. Listen, I've heard that for years, brother. It's time to start doing something with the word that you've heard. Amen. He said to be doers of the word, not hearers only. Some people are really proud about being a hearer, but that's not good enough in 2020. We need doers of the word. Jesus wins every time. He's this guy said, speak the word only. Let's look at another story here. We're still in Matthew 8. Look at verses 14 through 17. Here's a story about Peter's mother-in-law. Matthew 8. Verses 14 through 17. When Jesus arrived at Peter's house, Peter's mother-in-law was sick in bed with a high fever. But when Jesus touched her hand, the fever left her. Then she got up and prepared a meal for him. I mean, come on, what a great day. Someone gets healed and you get a free dinner out of the whole thing. That sounds like my idea of a really great day right there. And so she gets up and, and prepares a meal. Verse 16, that evening, many demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. He was scared of them. No, he cast out the evil spirits with a simple command and healed half of the sick people there. No, he healed all the sick. Why? Because Jesus wins every time. There's nothing that he sets out to do that he fails at. There's nothing he sets out to do. And you're thinking, yeah, but I've got a bad situation. I've got marriage trouble. I've got kid trouble. We're in a financial bind. If you'll let Jesus have it, Jesus wins every time. He's not intimidated by your bad circumstances. He's not afraid of what's going on in your life. He wins at every single thing he does. Do you think Jesus is pretty confident? You know, it was the, the, the heavyweight boxer, Rocky Marciano, went 49-0, and 0, never lost a fight. Jesus is like 400 billion and 0 right now. He's never lost a fight. Out of all these years, he keeps winning at everything he does. And so Jesus, he can take down sickness and disease and win. Let's just, let's, let's let the rubber meet the road. Let's get applicable even more so to where we're at in 2020. Jesus took on and won against racial division. He wasn't afraid of it. He didn't say, oh, man, I don't know what to do. I don't. No, he, he met it head on and dealt with it. And so not only did he violate health codes, he tore down racial barriers. So shout out to Jesus. If he can do it, we can do it, too, because the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives on the inside of me and it lives on the inside of you. And nowhere along the way did Jesus change. Jesus doesn't change. But if, if there's a change, it's us. We change. But Jesus doesn't change. And so. We're going to flip over to John chapter 4. Flip to John chapter 4 with me. And so in Jesus' day, there was some pretty intense division between the Jews and the Samaritans. They didn't like each other at all. They avoided each other at all costs. Because way back in the Old Testament, when the northern kingdom of Israel was overtaken by the Assyrians, the the Israelites from the northern kingdom, they started taking on the gods of the Assyrians. And then they started marrying the Assyrians, and they started absolutely taking on this wicked, idol-worshipping, evil culture. So the people from Judah, Judah was the southern kingdom, they're like, I can't look at our cousins up there. I can't, these guys are nuts. So they started to hate these guys. 
They're traitors. They're sellouts. And over the course of hundreds of years, they just basically were two separate races, two separate groups of people that couldn't stand each other. So by the time Jesus Day comes on the scene, Jewish people, if they had to come across Samaria, well, we'll walk 20 miles out of the way, but we're not walking through there. I don't even want to see those guys. And so there was some bitter rivalry and division. It was not a pleasant scene amongst these two groups of people. John chapter 4, verse 5. Let's see what happens when Jesus needs to cross through. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon, a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. Well, there it is. I'm not making this up. It says it right there. She said to Jesus, wait, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you're speaking to, you'd ask me and I would give you living water. Wow. Because later on in John chapter 7, Jesus goes to the Jewish festival of shelters and he stands up in the middle of the crowd and says, anyone who's thirsty, come to me and out of me shall flow, flow rivers of living water. He says, out of you will flow river. So Jesus promised the exact same living water to this Samaritan woman First, before he even promised it to the Jewish people later on at the Festival of Shelters in John chapter 7. And so he's tearing down a lot of a lot of walls right here, because first of all, he's talking to this this lady. She's shocked that he's even saying anything to her. The message Bible says, verse nine, this way, the Samaritan woman taken aback asked, how come you, a Jew, are asking me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? Jews in those days wouldn't be caught dead talking to Samaritans. That puts it in a little bit more context, the bitterness and division that existed between these two groups. And another thing that's going on is Jesus is not only talking to a Samaritan person, he's talking to a Samaritan woman. We're talking about the Middle East here. You think that we've got some issues between the genders here in America? Some of you soldiers, you've been in the Middle East. I mean, they treat women really bad. And even back in Jesus' day, especially back then, here's a man talking to a woman in broad daylight and having a pleasant conversation. I'll give you living water, man. I'll, yeah, absolutely. And, of course, he goes and, 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 and he tells her some harsh truths. He's like, go get your husband. I don't have a husband. That's right, you don't. You, you've been with five men, and you're living with a guy you aren't even married to right now. And she's like, whoa, sir, I perceive you must be a prophet is exactly what she said. And I'm like, you think? You think? And so the disciples come back and see Jesus talking to a woman. And they're like, what? Look at this right here. Verse 27, John 4, 27. Just then his disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman. But none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? Or why are you talking to her, Jesus? What's, is there something we don't know about here? They had no idea what was going on. But Jesus didn't care about the racial division. He didn't care about the, the gender division here. He just saw somebody that needed his help. And he said, I'll give you the same living water I'll give to anybody else. So he's tearing down some walls right here. But look what happens here at, at starting at verse 28. Because 
Not only did Jesus talk to her, Jesus told her the truth. Because there's something else you need to know about Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus won't lie to you to avoid hurting your feelings. Right? Sometimes the truth hurts, but that doesn't change the fact that it's the truth. And so Jesus, he just, he, he, he goes full speed ahead, gives her the truth that you gotta knock it off. You're a mess. You gotta make some changes right now. And he gives her the full truth and she doesn't say, wow, that hurts. Why'd you say that to me? You're mean. You're a hater. You're a, you're, a, he didn't go in. No, she thanked him for the truth. And then what'd she do? She goes back to the village and tells everybody what this man did to her. So verse 28, the woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Now, for some people, they're like, that's terrifying. I don't want to go see this guy. What if he, what if he calls me out? What if he tells everything I ever did? But she's excited because another thing about the truth is you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Some people would rather be bound in lies because it's more comfortable than to be set free by the truth, even though it's a little painful at the moment. But she was one of those people. She, you know what? I don't care. I'm tired of being a slave to sin. I'm tired of getting pushed around by the devil. Give me the truth, all the truth, nothing but the truth. So help me, Jesus. And she got the truth and she was not afraid of it. She ran and told everybody, you know what? Here, he called me out, and it changed my life. Some people probably need to be called out for a minute and let the truth change their life. But that's that's between you and God, all right? And so, and so she says this, could he possibly be the Messiah? She catches on real early. There's not a whole lot of people yet that caught on to the fact that Jesus is the Messiah. Verse 30. So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. They didn't say, go away. You keep calling us out. You keep saying everything we ever did. They begged Jesus to stay. Please stay just one more day, a few more hours. Just stay with us. They're begging him to stay. So he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Then they said to the woman, now we believe, not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the savior of the world. Some walls just came crashing down because Jesus Tore right through everything that everybody else says. You can't, you can't touch that. You can't go there. You're not allowed to talk about that. You're not allowed to deal with this. You're gonna, you're gonna offend some. He said, I don't care. This woman needs my help. And because he reached one, he reached an entire village. And they were some of the first people to receive Jesus and see him as being the savior of the world. Come on, somebody. That gets me excited. What, what does that tell me? It tells me That Jesus wins every time. Jesus, here's another win for Jesus. He didn't back down. He didn't run from the situation. And what if more Christians in 2020 were more like Jesus? Do you think that would help America even this much? If more Christians were a little bit more like Jesus? If more Christians really were Christ-like ones? 
and they told the truth instead of lies to help people soothe their feelings. We didn't put band-aids on things, but we got to the root of issues and brought healing to people. Christians in America have been putting band-aids on cancer for years and years and years instead of doing what we were told to do and bring healing to the nations. Well, let's just maybe, you know, we'll just we'll sing Kumbaya and just put a put this bandit on that, put a little ointment and just leave that alone. And Jesus didn't do stuff like that. He got to the root of the problem. He said, I am willing. Be healed now. Speak the word. Fine, I'll speak the word. Be healed. And the kid was healed. He goes right in there to the to the lady with a fever and says, come on, get up. Touches her hand and heals her. He goes right to the Samaritan woman and says, could you give me some water? And I will give you living water. Then he tells her the truth. Come on. This is what we need right now. I'm tired of losing. I'm tired of all this stuff happening. It's time to start acting like Jesus. It's time. What would Jesus do? That's more than a cute bracelet from the 90s, people. That's something we ought to be doing right now. What would Jesus do? I can tell you one thing he wouldn't do. He wouldn't turn and run and hide like a little baby. He would face the trouble head on and he would overcome it. Why? Because greater is he that's in me than he that's in this world. Thank you for that one. Somebody else ought to be getting this this morning other than Patrick. You guys need to get this. Listen, what's going on in the world? I don't know what's going on in the world, but I know that greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Well, what's the world coming to? My world's coming to Jesus. Barstow's coming to Jesus. My neighborhood's coming to Jesus. Fort Irwin's coming to Jesus. Well, how can you say that? Because I'm there. And I don't keep my mouth shut and run like a baby. I speak up with the authority that's been given to me in the name of Jesus. Somebody say amen today. And so that's a pretty wild story right there. But because of this woman's obedience, because of Jesus' obedience, a whole lot of people had their lives changed that day. Now, the third thing we're going to tackle this morning is this. And believe me, we could... Extend this list of Jesus victories to hundreds. We could, I mean, if you were to just go through the book of John alone, you'd see win after win. But the third thing I'm going to talk about is Jesus is victorious against fear itself. Fear itself. You know, there's this, what was that? Was it Winston Churchill? I think it was that said, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Uh, it was Roosevelt. Okay. So the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. And, you know, we hear that. And we're like, well, that's, you know, that's a neat little phrase. But you don't understand how powerful fear is. This Satan has some main tactics that are his go to weapons. One is strife and division. That's I mean, that's one of his ace in the hole. I mean, if he can't get you to trip over something else, he'll get you to start hating other people and start getting mad and offended all the time. That's, that's his go-to trick. Another thing that is one of his go-to things is fear because it's powerful and it works for him. It's worked for thousands of years and it still works today. I remember on March 16th of this year, so we had church on the 15th. The next day I'm taking my kids to school in Victorville. I drop them off. I go to Walmart down there to get some stuff. I pull up to the parking lot and I have to park like a mile back. I'm like, Wow, is there like some sort of uh, sale going on? Is there like a St. Patrick's Day sale that I was unaware of? Because I don't see green anywhere. And so then I get up there. There's no carts. 
And I said, to, I literally said to myself, man, the card guys are slacking, dude. What's going on here? Then I get into the store and I see hundreds, possibly thousands of people walking around, their faces, I swear, paralyzed with fear, shopping carts overflowing with toilet paper. No, I'm not even trying. I mean, I'm being serious. Hand sanitizer. I mean, people holding their carts like this, pushing it. And I'm like, I didn't even, I forgot about, you know, that we're in the beginning stages of the worldwide pandemic. And I'm like, what in the world is going on here? And I saw people just acting in a way that in my 34 years of life, I've never seen before. I've never seen anything like this. And then it got me. I, I understood. Oh, my gosh. There is a spirit of fear coming across the United States at this very moment. Some people are so used to living in fear, they didn't, you know, some people, it's a daily part of their lives, they have a spirit of fear upon them. And it's not because God gave it to them, because God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind, yes. But some people, they're so enveloped in fear all the time, they're like, well, this pandemic, I'll just add this to my list of things I'm afraid of. But I sensed something that I have very rarely sensed in my entire life, and that was, a spirit of fear, so fearful, you didn't care about anybody else needing supplies for the elderly. You didn't care about, well, these people have five kids at home and it's just me and my dog, but I need 27 rolls of toilet paper and 5,000 things of sanitizer, but I'm sorry about these guys. i got to take care of number one. You've got to look out for yourself right now. That's what it's come to. But Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. He said, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. He said, fear not, for I am here. And yet, a spirit of fear. And, and, and fear, one reason it's so powerful is because it can control mass quantities of people all at once. You know, the devil does some things and it's just kind of a jab at me. And, and yeah, man, these thoughts are kind of messing with me today. Or, or I've got this going on. But... When he can get a spirit of fear to really start doing its job, it can take over a whole large group of people all at once. Even the children of God, if they'll listen to it. Even the children of God, if they'll submit to it. And so, let me show you something here. Luke 21, verse 26. Luke 21, verse 26. Who's glad that Jesus wins at everything he does? Who's glad that, who, I'm just glad that Jesus has not even picked up one loss in his entire life. I'm glad that he's not 400 million and one. I'm glad that Jesus is 400 zillion and oh, never lost. When, and, and listen, when we do things God's way, we're gonna win. Well, I've picked up some losses in my life, so have I. I've picked up some losses, but never one time has it been when I was doing things God's way. Every loss and, and every and every step back that I've experienced, I can look back and say, you know what, now I know why that happened, because I was doing it my own way. Never once have I been able to look back and say, you know what, I did things exactly God's way, and, and, and I was submitted, and I, and, and I did all this, and I still lost. Never once, whether it be cancer, whether it be fear, whether it be money, every single time that I've submitted to God, I have won 100% of the time. And so look at this verse here, Luke 21 and verse 26. And so this is part of the Olivet Discourse. We read this, uh, I think, on March 25th on a Wednesday night and on, on video, on, on, on our end time series. But Jesus said one of the things that will happen in the end times, 
people will be terrified at what they see coming upon the earth, for the powers and the heavens will be shaken. They'll be terrified at what they see. I want to read this in the Passion Translation. It says, what men see coming to the earth will cause the fear of doom to grip their hearts. Look at that phrase right there. It will cause the fear of doom to grip their hearts. Does that sound even remotely familiar to you? Does that at all look like anything that we've seen in the past six months? I have seen people have the fear of doom, not just startle them. It's a, I mean, grip their hearts. This is one of the signs that Jesus said would happen right before he comes back. People are going to be terrified at what they see. The fear of doom will begin to grip people's hearts. Well, well, I know another verse about hearts, and it's in Proverbs 4, and it says, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. So when Jesus has got a hold of your heart, that determines the course of your life. When pride, when greed, when hatred, when racism, when one of those things grips your heart, it will determine the course of your life. And when the fear of doom has hold of your heart, it determines the course of your life. It tells you where you can go and where you cannot go, who you can talk to and who you cannot talk to, what you can do and what you cannot do. That's not of God. And so what I'm trying I'm to bring it down into this. If you've listened to anything I've said today at all, bring it in and, and laser focus on what I'm getting ready to say right now. Fear is such a powerful weapon that Satan tried to use it on Jesus himself. He tried to use several of the things. He, he tried to tempt Jesus way back there, right after Jesus got baptized. But another thing he did right before Jesus went to the cross, he tried to use fear to stop Jesus from going to the cross because he knew, oh my gosh, if he actually goes through with this, if he actually comes down here to hell and fights me, hand-to-hand, one-on-one, and I lose, it's over. These people, they've got clear access to God from now on. They can go straight to God the Father. They can go straight to heaven on their own without a priest. uh, Satan knew everything was on the line right here. Luke chapter 22, Luke chapter 22, verse 41 through 44. I'm going to read this in the Living Bible. Luke 22 Verses 41 through 44, this is Jesus praying in the garden. He walked away, perhaps a stone's throw, and knelt down and prayed this prayer. Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of horror from me, but I want your will, not mine. I want your will, not mine. And so Jesus is saying, if there's any other way to save the world, can we figure that out? But nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. So verse 43, that an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him, for he was in such agony of spirit that he broke into a sweat of blood with great drops falling to the ground as he prayed more and more earnestly. Jesus, at this point in time, he knows the horror, he said, that is awaiting him, and his body is starting to shake. His body is, oh my gosh, this is getting ready to happen. His body begins to sweat blood. He's praying to God, 
in a puddle and a pool of his own blood. Nobody had cut him. Nobody had stabbed him yet. Nobody had struck him yet. His body was overtaken with such stress and anxiety that it began to sweat blood. This is one of the rarest of medical possibilities, but it is a medical and physical possibility for the human body to reach the utmost level of anxiety that it begins to sweat blood out of the pores. It's called hematoidrosis. It's a real thing. And Jesus had this come upon him right before the cross. Satan's like, I've, nothing else has worked. Let's go to the atomic bomb. Let's bring some fear right at the last moment. No holds barred. The gloves are off. Everything we've got right here. He throws fear at Jesus. But guess what? Jesus wins every time. Fear didn't stop Jesus. He said, no, not my will, but thy will be done. Let's do this. And what do you think happened? Oh, you know, but I'll tell you again. Colossians 2.15. Colossians 2.15. Because this is what happened when Jesus died on the cross. His body went into a grave. His spirit descended into the lower parts. And he had some radical combat against Satan. Not even on his home turf. He fought the devil on his turf. And he came out with a giant victory, the greatest victory that the world has ever seen. Colossians 2.15, the Passion Translation once again, it says, Then Jesus made a public spectacle of all the powers and principalities of darkness, stripping away from them every weapon and all their spiritual authority and power to accuse us. Where was this going on at? This was going on in hell. Jesus made a public spectacle of them. Have you ever seen somebody that's bullied people around for years and years, and then finally the good guy shows up and says, all right, enough, let's do this right now, and somebody fights the playground bully right there in front of all his friends? I remember the movie The Christmas Story, right? They play it every year on Christmas Eve all day long. There's this kid that's been, and then finally Ralphie has enough, and he says, okay. He takes the kid down, and what happens? He beats the bully, and then all his friends scatter. They're terrified of him now, too. And so Jesus goes down to hell, makes a public spectacle. The King James says he spoiled principalities and powers and made a show of them openly. Jesus takes down the bully in front of all of his friends. And by the power of the cross, Jesus led them around as prisoners in a procession of triumph. He was not their prisoner. They were his. Jesus wins every time. Somebody say amen today. Jesus wins every time. And so we've looked at three mega things that Satan's tried to use in 2020 this year. And there's going to be more things that he brings down the pike. But what are we going to do? I'm going to say, I don't care. Jesus wins every single time. Everything he does, we always triumph in Christ Jesus. Say it one more time with me. Jesus wins every time. Now give the Lord a shout of praise today. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm going to pray over you. Then I'm going to have dad come up and and receive the tithes and offerings. And I'm telling you now that... Towards July, man, we're really looking at being able to open up more of the ministry more and more. So be in agreement with us because I want to be out there laying hands and getting the anointing oil and just 
dousing it all over every single one of you. Man, I'm ready for this. But until then, I'm going to pray over you from right here. And if you need further prayer, man, you know, get a hold of me. Let me know. Let let Pastor know. Let, let somebody from here know. And we will be in agreement. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, I thank you for what we've seen in your word today. And, Lord, we know it's the truth. We have nothing to fear, Lord, because you're on our side. If you were on the other side, we'd have a lot to be afraid of. But, Lord, you are on our side. And if God is for us, who can be against us? We win every time because Jesus wins every time and we are in christ jesus lord anything that these people lord my family are going through today i say in the name of jesus they've got victory i break any stronghold any power and any foothold the devil's got them in we say that they are loosed and set free today lord they're of good mental health they're of good physical health they're of good emotional health their finances are blessed their, 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 their bodies are blessed, Lord. Their marriage and their family is blessed. Their job is blessed because we are in Christ Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for the peace and joy of the Lord this day. In Jesus' mighty name, somebody say amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.